everyone. Welcome back to But What Will People Say? I'm your host, Disha Mazeppa, and this is a podcast about South Asian interracial relationships and so much more. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Yesterday was International Women's Day, which this episode is a perfect follow-up to. My guest this week is Jazz Core. She is better known as FitCore on Instagram, and I'm sure most of you know a little bit about her story. She was disowned two years ago by her family for dating her boyfriend, Sven. And this episode focuses a little bit less on that and a little more on being in the driver's seat of your life. This episode is meant to really empower the women listening to it and remind you that you are in full control of your life, that you deserve to be happy, to chase the things that are important to you, and that we do not have to live in this little bubble of shame that our culture may have tried to create for us. So I hope you guys enjoy it. It was a really, really great conversation. And I think this is the perfect week to release this episode. And I hope you guys gain so much from it. Here we go. everybody. We're here with Jess. Some of you might know her from her fitness Instagram. She's going to introduce herself and tell us a little about, about who she is. Hello, everyone. What a beautiful intro by Disha. My name is Jess. Um, where can I start? Whenever people ask me this question, tell me a little bit about yourself. I'm like, oh, where do I begin? Tell Basically, everything. I'm pers- everything? Okay, here we go. I'm a personal trainer and I live in Sydney, Australia. I've been in the fitness industry now for, oh, three, four years, but I was always very active. Um, and then over the last few years, I kind of just molded my career around my love for fitness. I initially was in corporate marketing, but I did a bit of a three, 180, actually not a 360, otherwise you're in the same place again. I did a 180 <laughs> and then I ended up in fitness. Um, yeah, so I live in Sydney with my partner, Sven. He's of German origin. I am of Punjabi Sikh origin. And yeah, we're just like living our little life together, doing what we can. And that's about it. We've also got, um, you might have heard of Brown Girls Rising, its support community on Facebook and Instagram now as well, which was inspired um, by my family disownment. My family wasn't too happy with our relationship and this kind of completely changed the course of my life in a very beautiful way. And I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more about that a little later in the show, so I'll leave it for then. But that's me in a nutshell. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've definitely seen Brown Girls Rising, and I feel like that has grown into a pretty massive community of women supporting women, and it is awesome. So guys, definitely check it out. Um, But tell us a little bit about you and Sven. Okay, so we met in late 2018. I would say around August, that's when we kind of met, and we met on Bumble. sure a lot of people have heard of that. Um, it was just from there, it was just connected straight away. Like we connected on so many different levels and I'd never really had that in-depth connection with someone so quickly before. But at the same time, like I was also very careful, like by independence and I wasn't going to go and jump into anything. So there was a lot of like initial dating. Um, and about a month into our relationship when we were dating, I flew to Thailand to learn Muay Thai. It was like a solo trip that I'd planned a long time ago and I just wanted to immerse myself into the training there. And then a week in, he flew in and, and that was it. Like we've been together ever since. Like it was crazy. 
no one had ever really caught a flight for me before and I was like oh this must be special if he's like willing to like fly <laughs> fly away from me like that's awesome so it was just from there like and we became official um a few months after that he for Christmas he flew me to Germany to meet his family like I think that was his way of showing me hey I'm really super serious about you and that's when I also knew that hey okay I've got to rip the band-aid off on my end because my parents are very traditional they wanted me to marry within my faith and my culture and Sven being German is completely opposite to that um the only thing he has in common with what they wanted from me is the fact that he has a beard <laughs> So that was about it. <laughs> um, yeah, so when we got back from our trip in Germany, I was like, all right, I've got to make a choice and I've got to stop living this double life where like my family doesn't know about my relationship. And I know a lot of girls have to do this too. Like we're just not comfortable to talk to our parents about our relationships because they're not always the people that they want us to be with. And even for some of us, dating is still not talked about. It's still a bit of a taboo. And that's kind of how it was for me. Um, growing up, it was just like, go to school, um, get your good marks, get into a great job, and then you'll have an arranged marriage for someone from our choosing. And that was kind of the path that I was supposed to take. And then I fell in love with someone who was the opposite of what my family wanted. And I was like, oh, it's just getting serious now. I have to do something. And that was it. So when we got back, I had to rip that Band-Aid off. And I told my family about him. And the reaction was as I expected. They were not supportive. They were in denial they were in shock and they were just like nope we can't accept it and yeah that was it so they disowned me from that day that was two years ago today which is crazy the timing of this podcast on this day um yeah so since then look our relationship has been a foundation of support for me it's really held me up and I think it's also important for me to mention here that yes I was disowned for my relationship but I guess for me, it's not always been about like finding someone to then be like, okay, now I have to make this choice. It was more for like myself. Like I had to stand up for my own freedom of choice, not for my partner, if that makes sense. Like I wasn't like taking this huge um, step in my life for someone else. It was more like, okay, how long am I going to keep living to keep other people comfortable, to make sure that they're happy and keep sacrificing my own mental health, you know, because yeah. over the years it kind of built up. And maybe the relationship was like the final domino that just like the camel that almost, yeah. whatever, whatever that saying is, the straw that broke the camel's back. Like that was it for me. And I'm like, okay, now I have to make a change and I have to just be straight up about everything. And yeah, so ever since then, um, we started Brown Girls Rising, I think a week or so after my disownment because I'd shared it on Instagram and so many people across the globe connected to the story and said, oh my God, even I have been through the same thing, but I thought I was alone. And I was like, oh my gosh, if so many of us are sitting here feeling yeah. alone, going through the same stuff, like imagine if there was a place for all of us to kind of come together. And that's when Sven, my partner, he's like, why don't you start a Facebook support group? And I'm like, what the heck is that? Like, what's yeah, a Facebook, what's a Facebook like? group? <laughs> yeah, I had never really gotten into the whole Facebook group thing back then. And I'm like, okay, let's just start it and see if people want to like, you know, join and talk there. And it ended up growing so much like, so much good has come from it and it's like my favorite place on the internet because it's so full of love and support from people in all different backgrounds like it's not even just South Asian people but we have like people of color from all corners of the world that are supporting each other and the things that they're going through so it's really become something very beautiful 
And I'm very grateful that we decided to start it back then because I know it's helped a lot of people as well. So that's kind of our story for the last couple of years. I continue to share my story on social media about the things that I've been through, um, the kind of challenges that I had, as well as the triumphs as well, because I think it's important that these things are talked about so we can take away the taboo and the stigma attached to it. Because I think for a lot of us, we don't really hear about people who are disowned speaking out. And I think it's because people think that disowned women should live in the shadows and should live in shame because they're the women whose families decided not to talk to them, you know? So somehow they put the shame on that individual. individual. But that shame is not ours to carry. So I think that's why I continue to speak about it because we're not the ones who decided, hey, like, I don't want to talk to my family anymore. It was the other way around. But society somehow twists it and yeah. says that you should have listened to your parents, family, everything, bloody da da So I just try the best I can to try and, like, shed that taboo one post at a time. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> and yeah. I feel like we have a lot in common in that sense where I started this podcast for the same reason when people found out about my relationship and suddenly out of the woodwork, they're like, oh my God, like, how did your parents react? Oh my God, like, what did you say to them? Like, how did you convince them that it was okay? And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, this is a food blog. Like, I like I posted like <laughs> one thing about Michael on there once and I was like, oh, so this is like a thing nobody talks about. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, and you're right. I think part of like not talking about it is because our culture is so like, what will people say? Like, we don't want to become the item of gossip because exactly. if we tell everyone that like, oh, we got, you got disowned. Or if I went out there and said, oh, my parents flipped out and my, you know, they were arguing and like, now we're like letting the cat out of the bag almost. Right. Like, oh, mm -hmm. like now let's talk about Jas's family or Disha's family. And then we don't talk about it because we already feel so much like guilt and shame that we like brought this on our family. Now we're going to throw it out into the world for everybody else to like talk about. Mm -hmm. And I, exactly. I, there's just so much baggage there. There is a lot. And I think it also stems from the fact that South Asian culture generally is very collectivist. It's, the individual is usually sacrificed for the greater good. In a lot yep. of ways, a lot of us um, do careers that we're not happy with because we know it's going to keep our families happy. Like, I'll put my hand up to that. I did that in the past as well before I changed to personal training. Like, I was in corporate marketing for the longest time, but I hated it. And I was like, but everyone else around me is happy and this is going to make me, like, a better candidate for when I want to get married. But then at a certain point, I was just like, what am I doing? Like, who am mm -hmm. I living for, you know? So I think individuals now stepping out trying to break um, these barriers, I guess more of us were now speaking about these things. And I think it makes it okay for other people to like do the same things as well because they see, okay, so I'm not alone. Someone else has done this in the yeah. past. And, it, and I don't know, it gives you a lot of power. Yeah. And even in that, as you said, like these individuals stepping away from that like collectivist identity, we're also now building our own community. So it's not like we're out on our own. Like now we just have different communities that fit our needs better and our mental health and our just overall well-being. You decided, like you made a really good point when you said like, you didn't make this decision because you wanted to spend your life with Sven. Like it's bigger than that. You made your decision because you were choosing to live a life for yourself and like 100%. live what 
and do what makes you happy, right? Maybe switch that career out of like a typical nine to five and pursue something less traditional or take a risk and do something that other people might think is a crazy idea because that's what you want to do and it makes you happy. Or even something as small, I feel like in our culture, like choosing to dress the way you want, right? I feel like there's so much shame around like, oh my God, like growing up, I couldn't wear like a tank top and shorts. It was like a full on meltdown if I tried that. And Mm -hmm. it was like, I can't even pick my clothes now. Like what? Yeah. Yeah. And so I feel like my path has always been like that. Like how you said, we're like, eventually this like shit was going to hit the fan anyway. Like I was (laughs) going to put my foot down somewhere. Yeah, of course. And it's good that you did. And it's something interesting that you touched on there. Like it's not even about like the partner. It's like the freedom of choice the ability to navigate your life decisions and like to be in the driver's seat of your life. Because honestly, like before I stood up for myself and like, you know, it was like, okay, I'm not going to compromise on my freedom of choice anymore. Before that, I was always in the backseat of my own life. My entire life was like carved out for me. I knew that I would, you know, like I mentioned earlier, go to school, go through corporate, then get married, then pop out choosing whatever it is, the path that people have defined for us. And then to step away from that, I was like, holy crap. First of all, I don't know how I got that courage. Like, it must have been these five seconds of courage. Because sometimes I look back now, I'm like, damn, that was like a crazy move that I pulled there. But I'm so glad that I did. Because like you said, it's not just about being with another partner. Yes, friend is part of the equation. And like I mentioned, it's our relationship was the last domino that kind of pushed it over. Um, and of course, it's a big, big reason of why I made the decision when I did. Because I didn't want to live like, in secret or lie about something so beautiful and I knew that this relationship meant a lot to me but before I'd even told them about it and like I knew I'd be disowned I had already had these conversations with myself like what if in six months this relationship doesn't work out like are you going to still stick by your decision and without hesitation 100% yes because first of all you can't always guarantee that you're always going to be in this relationship for the rest of your life you don't know people can change on you any day you know it wasn't about that it was more like all right, for the first time ever, I'm going to like get into the driver's seat. I'm going to call the shots in my own life and face the consequences myself. So I know that anything that happens in my life is of my own doing. And there's something very empowering about that. And I think as women in our culture, people are constantly making decisions for us. And now a lot more of us are starting to take our power back and finding these communities where other women are doing the same, getting more and more powerful. And honestly, it scares the shit out of people who are so committed to get, keeping this culture and keeping it the exact same way it is. That's yeah. why so many of us are like given hate for speaking out. People just make up all sorts of stuff because they're afraid. They're afraid of how many women around them are rising and makes yeah. you laugh to be honest because you should be afraid. Things are going to change. Right. Exactly. Like we have, especially we come from a culture of like very strong women. Mm-hmm. And so, but then our culture is like, you don't get to be in the driver's seat. Someone else does. And now The other thing is people are scared of being proved wrong, right? Like I know when I brought home Mike, there was a lot of like, he's so different. This will never work. You're different religions. How will you navigate this? And slowly but surely people are realizing like, it doesn't matter. Like marrying someone who's the same culture or religion as you does not guarantee success. And it's about the work you put into it. And Mm -hmm. even if it even if it doesn't work out right, like you said, like it's not about the partner. I would never turn around and be like, oh, I'm going to move back to my parents house and let them make the calls again. Like, no, I'm going to (laughs) live my life and carry on and face those consequences 
and do what I have to do, but it will never go back to a point where, you know, oh, I'm just going to follow the checklist you made for me. Like that is never back on the table. Um, yeah. And you made a great point with that. Yeah, I think it gets, sometimes it gets to, you know, like a pressure cooker, like when yeah. you're making like dal and the CT goes off, it's like that, like something is going to make that thing burst and eventually you're going to be like, okay, look, how long can I keep living like this? And some of us then take that step to be like, all right, I've got to stop this now and I'm going to take my life into my own hands. But unfortunately, a lot of us can also go through mental health issues, which can then stop us from doing that. And then we're always thinking about, what about my family? What about if they get sick? Because these things are always thrown at us. Like, if you do yeah. this, I'm going to get sick because of you. And you're like, oh, my God, like, my decisions are that powerful. They're going to affect my parents' health. Like, imagine that pressure on yeah. a young person going through life. Just for, it's hard enough navigating the immigrant experience as it is. And yes, our parents too, well, mine for sure, they had their own challenges being first-generation immigrants, you know. But yes, like there's challenges, but you also have to choose how, how you deal with those challenges. Are you then going to pass on negative things that have happened to you to your own kids? Like, I feel like we do have a choice. Context is important, yes, but I think at the end of the day, like we have a choice and our parents have a choice too. They don't have to always listen to what other people think because I think they too suffered this from maybe their own parents. Maybe they also had to kind of sit in the back seat of their parents' car and have them drive yeah. their show for them. And then they kind of think, okay, so then it's normal for me to then perpetuate the same cycle. Exactly. But you know, it's complex for sure. Yeah. I mean it's by no means easy. Um, but I think you're right because I always say like once I once we got past the shock of Mike and all of that crap, like there was almost like a sense of like one, my family and like my aunts and uncles realizing, oh, like everything's fine. Like they're together and the rest of society has carried on. And it almost like took that burden off of them where mm. they have all kind of embraced that. Like we're American too. And we don't always like to eat Indian food and it's okay to like, yeah. like my mom like goes and like hangs out with her friends now, like without my dad, without taking like my brother with her, like, she just like does things that she wants to do. And like, it's not all the time, but it's like they almost were given permission to like just live their lives because they're like, oh, yeah. like my daughter did like the one thing we thought was the worst thing ever and everything's fine. So like, you know what? I'm going to go hang out with my friends now. And I'm like, good for you, mom. Good job. Yeah, that's interesting how that worked out. Hey, like it's good that it's also because of their decision to then come around and like, you know, accept you and your partner. Like they've also improved their own life in some way that they probably didn't expect. Like, yeah, it's cool. And, you know, I think sometimes our parents get afraid of the unknown because mm -hmm. they just want things to be safe for us. Like they want to make sure that maybe through control that they will get guaranteed a path to success or the perfect suitor or whatever it is. But part of then moving to another country and seeing the way of life there and having more decisions and more choices available to you is to actually take those choices and to be like, okay, I can actually make these decisions. And this doesn't mean that I'm a bad daughter or that I don't love my parents, but that I've just fallen in love. Like I'm in a country where I'm exposed to all types of people. So for me to then find the perfect Sikh man from you know whatever part of India or whatever it is they want it's quite rare and I think that's something that slowly slowly like immigrant parents are kind of like opening up to at least in my circles but for a lot of them they're still really like holding on to I don't know their South Asian identification yeah. maybe because they feel like 
being in a country where they're not like in India, they have to work harder to hold on to their identity. You know, I'm not sure. Like I actually spoken to this about this with a therapist once um Dr. Anisa Sharif I done a podcast episode with her and she said that immigrant parents sometimes hold on more to their identity when they've left that country because they've taken like a mental picture of what life used to be like in India mm-hmm. and because they haven't gone back so many they times they romanticized they think, it exactly romanticized it and they think it's the exact same thing mm-hmm. so then they then try and enforce these same things onto their children Life in India is ticking, people are moving and things are changing there as well. Like some of my friends in India, they're like, wow, I can't believe how traditional your parents are. Like our parents are super cool. We can marry whoever we want, et cetera. And I'm just like, whoa, someone please explain this to me. And I asked her that question and I'm like, ah, that makes sense, you know? Yeah. So that's fascinating. I always tell my parents that I'm like, you have this like silly idea where like India hasn't changed since 30 years ago. And I'm like, it has changed. And yeah. And they, like you said, they've just romanticized it and they have this like snapshot of it and they think it's the same. Um, exactly. Meanwhile, India is progressing and moving forward and coming into 2021. <laughs> meanwhile, like you're still living in 1999 and I just, I don't Exactly. Know. Yeah. Oh, it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> so complicated. Everyone needs to go to therapy. But moving forward, it has now been two years since you've decided to live life unapologetically, as I like to Mm -hmm. call it. um, What is life like now? How have things changed for you? And where are you at today? Well, I think, look, the biggest change to me since like taking this decision in my life is like, I no longer have to live this bloody double life where I was like, lying about where I was, who I was with, lying to myself as well, saying that I was happy, even though deep inside I was not. I was very riddled with anxiety. And I think that's where it kind of stemmed from, like this like constant fear of like not feeling like I was a good daughter because I'd fallen in love with someone who wasn't what they wanted. And then, you know, like my parents are strict. Like I could go out for work and like with friends they knew, but anything outside of that, it was like a whole drama, yeah. you know, to be able to go out with my friends and stuff. So then I just got very comfortable with lying and saying things that things were for work, even if they weren't for work, you know? Yeah. So I think that's been the biggest change. Like I don't have that double life anymore. And I think my relationship with myself has improved a lot as well because I'm not lying. Like my self-integrity, like I value integrity so much more and it just feels peaceful. Like peace is the best way Mm -hmm. to describe it. And I didn't realize this until like maybe like six or seven months in after I had like left my family home and stuff. And I was just sitting there one day, reading a book, relaxing, talking to my partner. And it was just this beautiful silence. And I'm like, this is what peace feels like. Like it wasn't me mm-hmm. constantly stressing about where I was, what I was going to do. And it was none of that. And I was just like, ah, like I just had a release, like a good breath I took. And I was like, wow, like this is what it's all been for. Like to have this feeling of peace. Yeah. And look, honestly, sometimes I'm still getting used to the feeling because I think when you're in a stressful environment, you kind of get used to that level of stress, like, and your nervous system is kind of primed for this stress. So then maybe sometimes you're like constantly thinking, okay, what's the next thing that's going to happen? You always think there's like more drama that's about to unfold. And when it doesn't happen, you're just like, is this normal? Is this what peace feels like? Like, it's so weird, you know? Yeah. That's been the biggest change for me. But also, like, I feel like my courage, like, I'm... I'm not afraid of taking risks anymore. And I used to really be afraid. And I think that comes from 
going through something so traumatic first of all <laughs> like like the, and then coming out of it and being okay because going out i thought like when someone loses the support of their family that they're not going to survive it so that's just what society tells us like you are nothing without your family family is everything and if you don't have them on your side you're condemned to a life of suffering you know and that's the kind of examples that i've seen around but then when i got through it and i came out of it like much stronger than i've ever been and having this courage and peace and i'm just like more joyous and i was like i can get through that everything else is super easy and like mm-hmm. i know that a few months after i had been disowned like i was already in fitness as working at a gym but i always thought i should branch out on my own and launch my own business but i never really had the courage i was always afraid you know but that day i was just like i'm handing my resignation in this week and next week i'm going to get full force into my business and my partner friend like he didn't tell me at the time but like a week after it all happened he was like i was so impressed by how courageous you were i was like wow like this girl has completely changed she's like ready to like rip that bandit off and go into a full force with no fear and i yeah. think that was huge for me as well like now it's like i'm not afraid to take risks i'm not afraid of many things anymore like i feel like cuz you get when you get through something so crazy where people think that you're not going to get through it and you come out stronger mm-hmm. you become so resilient like yeah i don't know how to explain it but i like to think of a phoenix like you go through the fire and then you come out stronger and you're like you know what i can do anything so yeah. that's that's been great yeah i think so. like i relate to like every single thing you just said like Aww. everything from like that feeling of like calm and that feeling of like that double life being taken away and how much better it is afterwards and i'm like not yeah. at all glamorizing like being disowned or any of it but whether you get disowned or not or even like for me just telling my family and not knowing what was going to happen mm-hmm. not having to live that double life was like a weight off my shoulders oh, and yeah. like it was i can't even explain like how good it feels and i had that same moment that you had where like one day you're just sitting there and you're just living your life and you're like huh this is good this is fine <laughs> cute Yeah, I'm so happy for you that you also experienced that moment. And you know, it's that thing like most brand girls relate like when you drop that double life or even when you're living it, you know how heavy that feels on you. Like it's hard to carry yeah. that around like you're carrying expectations of society, your family, yourself, and then what will people think? It's just like so yeah. much. And so many of us like really Yeah. We really suffer a lot, you know. And it's good that we now have places to talk about these things and these kind of conversations that even you and I are having. are actually happening now and they're reaching the people that need to hear him like yes like you mentioned like we don't want to glamorize being disowned like i mean it's not a very glamorous topic but you're going to be okay even if your family decide that you don't that you're not going to have a space in their life anymore and stuff like you will get through it like yeah. i think we shouldn't ever underestimate the strength and the power of a woman we are so strong and maybe sometimes we forget it but it's there and we all have that strength within us you know yeah and it's great Yeah. And like you don't realize how much anxiety you're carrying around until it's gone. Like you oh, think it's yeah. normal. You think it's okay cuz you think okay, I moved out, right? Now I have my own apartment. I can just be myself here. But you still every time you step out of that apartment, that anxiety is still there that like, oh my god, I have to see my mom today. Oh my god, like what am I going to wear to see my parents today? Like I can't wear this outfit. I have to dress this way. I have to speak like this. I can't mention Michael. Oh, if they ask me what I did that last weekend, what am I going to tell them? I can't tell them I went to the bar or I went out with my mm-hmm. girlfriends till two in the morning. Like 
all like even moving out is not enough. Like it has to just be like, this is what it is. And I'm not going to say sorry. And I'm not going to change it. And you're going to take it or leave it. Yeah. That is like the most freeing thing ever. Yes, it really is like such a weight that we carry on our shoulders. And then it's also like, it's kind of sad as well. Like you can't share the joy in your life with your family because you're like, oh damn, they're not even supposed to know about this part of my life and then you want to make a lie up. Like for me, like I was at a stage where I couldn't even remember the lie that I was saying anymore. So yeah. Like, Who did I say that I was with today? Did I say this person again? Like, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. so much stress. Mm-hmm. It was so <laughs> stressful. Being found out. Yeah. yeah. And like you, like I hit a point where I was numb to it. Like lying to mm-hmm. my parents wasn't even something I thought about. It was just like it just came out like the most natural thing. I'm like, this is not normal. I should not be this good at lying. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, for sure. And then, you know, obviously, I feel like I at least for me, I ended up in therapy a lot because I just like needed to work through all of that. Mm-hmm. And I, I highly recommend it for anyone whether your parents react well or not definitely go to therapy because Mm -hmm. like you said there's a sense of courage that comes after that that you can do anything and Mm -hmm. I feel like we're very much the same people because I'm like I did the same thing where I just like decided like you know what I'm gonna start this podcast I'm gonna start my business I'm not gonna focus all day on this nine to five job like yeah and because of COVID, I ended up losing my job. But honestly, it was like a Aww. weight lifted off my shoulders. I was like, I hated that place. It was awful. Okay. You know, and Blessing when I disguise. Yeah. And when I told Mike, I was just like, I need to start over. And he was like, go for it. Like, it's fine. He's like, we got it. He's like, I think he's like, you can do it. And he was like fully supportive. And like, it's been whatever, six, eight months since then. And like totally different headspace. Mm -hmm. totally different life and like being with someone who just lets you like fail like I feel like I had so much anxiety about failing because of my parents so much anxiety about what happens if this isn't perfect and this doesn't work out and now like I just took take risks left and right and I'm like it's fine we'll figure it out it'll be fine I think there's something very beautiful that happens when you have a partner who unconditionally loves and supports you because not only do they give you this courage to be able to fly, but they provide this like a safety safe net. landing if you don't, if you fail, like they're there to catch you, you know, and I can really relate to that because Sven is very similar in that way. He's always like, hey, whatever goal you have, just go for it. You know, I'm going to catch you no matter what, you know, even I know you don't need me. I know you're an independent woman. Like you always make sure to mention this because <laughs> I'm like, I don't need to be safe. I'm fine, you know. But he's like, look, if you ever need me, I'm always with you, but you've got this. And look at the things that you've been through and look at you now. Like, you can get through anything. And I think what you mentioned, like courage in your own business, in your podcast and stuff, it's great. And courage, it's a a beautiful thing because once you find that, like, five seconds of courage, like, you can completely change the course of your life. Really, really. Yeah. And, like, when you're raised in a culture where, like, love from your parents and your society is so conditional you mm-hmm. never have a safety net. There is never a point where you feel like it's going to be okay if I mess up yeah. or if I do something wrong. Like there's no, it's like zero failure. And that is so stressful. And it's sad, even, really. Yeah, it's really sad. It's really detrimental to people's mental health. It keeps people from taking risks and doing something maybe not so typical or quote unquote traditional. And you almost have to readjust your headspace when you finally have a safety net. 
Yeah. Like you true. have to consciously acknowledge it. And be like, Mm -hmm. it's going to be okay. And then learn to trust that it will be okay. Yeah. And I think you touched on something so important, trust. Like, I know for me, like, when everything had gone down with my family, and look, I knew that I would be disowned, but a part of me was like, maybe they'll understand and they'll come Mm -hmm. around. Like, I have that little bit of hope. But when it actually happened, like, boom, I felt like the foundations of trust, love, all the things I knew about family, everything could have came crumbling down because all of a sudden I didn't have that unit anymore they were just like nope and I was like my family is supposed to be so sacred so I had like these really weird conflicting times in my head I was so confused I'm like who can I trust who can I love and it was hard like those first few months like I had moved out it was tough because I was so primed for stress I was so used to a certain level of stress that when thief came around I didn't know what the hell to do with it honestly Mm -hmm. I was picking fights over the dumbest things because that was normal to me. It was normal for me to have some sort of chaos. And Ben would just hold my like face in his hands and be like, hey, there's nothing to argue about. You don't have to worry. Like, I love you. I'm not going anywhere. You don't have to worry about this, you know? But when your own family like does you like that, you feel like everyone else is going to do you the same, you know? It's, it's yeah. weird. And it's a hard thing to go through. But like you said earlier, therapy. Therapy yeah. really helped me because I had someone who was neutral that could help me navigate my feelings and understand what I went through because it was a very traumatic time in my life because you're forced to grieve the loss of people who are still alive and it's really like it trips mm-hmm. you out. You're just like, but they're alive. Their lives are still happening, but I'm grieving the loss of them in my life. It's a very complicated kind of thing that happens. But I was very lucky that my therapist used South Asian background and I had seen her like a few years before for like unrelated issues and she knew me so she knew my family she knew all the stuff that I was kind of going through so I was very lucky to get her again and I now I feel like every six months just to catch up and like tell her the details on how everything is going and stuff but back then when it had all kind of happened I had to see her every week just to like go through the feelings in a neutral place and not feel like I was a burden and putting my feelings on my partner or my friend you know sometimes you need that safe space so that's what therapy became for me and highly recommend it if it's financially viable for a person get a therapist or I'm sure there's like in Australia at least you get 10 free sessions from our healthcare system and if you have um I think don't quote me on this I could be wrong with the number of sessions but if you're struggling with eating disorders and emotional eating and stuff you get like 40 free sessions so there is government support available for these kind of things I'm not sure about America how it works there but that's how it is in Australia at least yeah in the U.S., at this point, most health insurance companies do cover a certain number of visits a year. And okay. then your therapist can justify more if you need them. Um, okay, that's great. You made a great point with the therapy thing, though, because when you even if you don't get disowned, like mm-hmm. that whole experience for months impacts every part of your life and you don't even know yeah. it's happening like you have to now get through not taking all of this out on your partner, your friends, the community that's trying to support you because you don't know, like you said, your foundation of trust, of family, of community, all of it goes out the window. Mm -hmm. You have to redefine all of it. I always say like found a family is the best thing because you're creating a brand new definition of what family is that will truly give you that feeling of being loved unconditionally um 
but yeah, I mean, like you, like I still randomly will look at Michael and be like, we're married. And he's like, yeah, I'm like, did you think that through? And he's he's like, yes, we're married. (laughs) Like he like, you know, sometimes he just like doesn't get why I keep asking. But like, it's because like sometimes I still don't trust that like my life is where it's at. And that, okay. like, it is okay. Mm-hmm. And it is weird that I ask him if that's a good idea. But, like, <laughs> like I got to go back to therapy. <laughs> like, <laughs> Look, you know, sometimes, like, these kind of issues, like, we need that validation sometimes. And I don't know about you, but when I go into a relationship with friends, in my head, I was like, okay, either he's going to run 10 miles the other way because there's a lot of stuff that comes with being with a girl like me. My culture my values, my parents, all of these things. And he is like some innocent guy, never had to deal with any of this shit in his life. And all of a sudden, boom, here you go, deal with all this stuff, learn about it all. And I'm like, how is it going to go? Like, is it, am I worth the fight? You know, initially I was having these conversations in my yeah. head. And like, he is showing me time and time again that he's there for me. He's really like, <laughs> him and I like in our podcast episodes we sat there discussing the Indian culture like he's learned so much and he's really made an effort to understand the intricacies about me about the community because he's also a co-admin for Brown Girls Rising as well right so he's like very like aware of what's going on and I think he has a huge appreciation for women who have to go through these kind of things as well because it's not easy and I think also being women of color, we have our own special challenges that a lot of people don't have to deal with or aren't exposed to, not just with our families, but just navigating life in general. You know, there's a lot that comes up for us. And then you throw on all this other stuff, it's a lot. And it's it's great that a lot of us are now seeking therapy and stuff just to work through our issues. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with us. It's just we have a huge plate full of stuff that we've got to deal with. And I get it. Like you can't, you asking your partner, like, did you think this through? I understand that because at the start of our relationship, I was like, are you sure about this? Because look, this is a lot that you're yeah. taking on here. Like, I don't want some guy who's going to like half ask me and be like, yes, I'm in for it. And then halfway through decide, okay, this is too tough because I'm about to make a big decision. I'm going to tell my family about you, you know? And that's why for Christmas, he took me to Germany to be like, look, I'm bringing you to my family. Like we spent, the whole of Christmas with his um with his mom and his stepdad here and I met his family and was embraced and really loved by them all to show me that he's in it for the long haul, you know? And I think for me, part of building retrust like trust again has been like just seeing evidences of trust. Like this is something my therapy um sessions taught me as well. Instead of looking for like something to go wrong, look at all the stuff that's going right. Mm-hmm. How many times this person is showing up for you, how much they have your back how much they care about you, how like they share your sorrows with you, you know? And all of these things like have really helped me build that foundation of trust again, which was hard. Honestly, it was tough because I was like, how am I going to figure all this stuff out again? Because you're talking about like 27 years of thinking one thing and then boom, it's all gone. It was just, it was crazy. But hey, yeah. you live and you learn and you get stronger through this stuff. So I'm grateful. I really come into myself and like seeing how strong I am through this process. So it's all good now. <laughs> Definitely. And I think yeah. another great way that I personally have used to like regain, not like trust, but like build a more solid foundation is mm-hmm. like, I'm a big journaler. And for me, I always put like the things I'm grateful for. So like how you look yeah. for like the things that are going right 
it's like me mm-hmm. pointing out the things that I'm grateful for. And like half the time, it's always like Michael's support and like him always being there. Like, and like, okay, yeah, he's, he's in it. He's here. Yeah. You know? And that has and been really helpful. Yeah. yeah, for sure. hundred percent. I love what you said about journaling. I think that's such a great way to like attract more of the good in your life. I do it as well. Like I spend a lot of time like doing my manifestations and just talking about all the good stuff in my life. And I feel like you then vibrate on a more loving frequency and kind of attract a little yeah. bit more of that. So that's and beautiful. Over time, your brain automatically switches to like pointing out those positive things. Because that's how like for me, yeah. like that's how I start my day, right? It's like name the three good things, three things you're yeah. grateful for. Um, and just over time, that has changed my mindset where instead of looking at it as life isn't working out for me, things are just going wrong. Like it turned into look at all the positive things. Look how great everything is and all these positive, even when things aren't great. Right. Like even when 2020 mm-hmm. sucked, my headspace was still like, look at what's going right. Look at the positive. 100 um, percent. And that comes um, from firing and wiring those circuits again and again those looking for something positive looking for gratitude where you can because now you just touched on the pandemic like 100% like oh so many of us our life changed in like ways we couldn't even think of like we had plans to travel whatever so many people lost their jobs for yourself included people lost their lives you know it was crazy for so much so many of us and for me as well like being a personal trainer like I could no longer train people in person because everything around us shut. We weren't allowed to go to the gym. And all of a sudden you go from having an income to like not having an income. And you're like, holy shit, what am I going to do? So then you like feel sorry for yourself for like a week or two. And then you're like, no, I can then turn this around. All I have to do is like find the courage to look for something else I can do or change my business model. And my partner was super supportive with that. He's like, babe, you've got this. You just got to think of what else can you do? Maybe take it online. And since then, my business evolved into more of an online personal training thing. And like now I can pretty much work no matter where I am in the world. Like I'm in Germany right now, but I can still look after my clients like I was before. I'm not limited about being there in person anymore. Mm-hmm. So in some ways it's changed for the better. But like you said, like you start looking for opportunities instead of then being like, oh no, this really sucks. And then letting that paralyze you. Yeah, for sure. And another thing I wanted to touch on with you, because you do do the whole personal training thing. My husband used to be a personal trainer um, and like the whole Muay Thai thing and jujitsu and all of that. Like I always tell people like as much as I love therapy and it's great, I've always called like the gym my therapy because the only times I've landed in a like psychologist's office is when I stop going to the gym. And it's not because like the gym is like fixing everything. But like I always say with mental health, like you have to give yourself a chance. And Mm -hmm. that's not just going to therapy. It's like taking care of yourself and your health and getting movement in and doing something like I've never done Muay Thai, but I really want to get into jujitsu because I'm like, again, like another step of like empowering where like you can take care of yourself. Because another thing like with my anxiety, my mom always was like, you know, you're so small, like, there's going to pick you up and you're going to disappear. Like, literally half my life was like, <laughs> it's like, well, oh, I'm going to get kidnapped. Because <laughs> I'm literally like, I'm 4'11", I'm 100 pounds, like, I'm this tiny, like, fourth grader. And Aww. so, like, for me, like, it's like making sure that, like, I get movement in and I feel like I have some level of self-defense, mm-hmm. but can take care of myself and more than just, yeah. like, a way of like living my life but like taking care of my body and all of that adds to the empowerment because I think there's so many levels to it yeah and therapy can only cover so much 
Um, I think therapy, yeah. like, it helps you mentally and, like, maybe finding a way to frame past situations and not letting them, like, run your life again. But, like you say, with exercise and if we talk about martial arts, this is usually, like, very empowering. And I know you've mentioned that you're little as well, but that's like a good thing. In jiu-jitsu, that's a bloody great thing because you've got the element of surprise on your side. No one's going to look at you and me and think that we're going to be able to like choke them out or break their arm and stuff. But hey, we can do that. Like once you learn jiu-jitsu, you learn how to defend yourself, you know? And it's very empowering because it gives you this confidence to know that if something were to happen, I have a toolbox of things that I can do to minimize the damage and then just get out of there. Like, it's not about like hurting a person, it's about diffusing the situation and getting yourself out of it. Well, for me at least. And martial arts has really helped me in that way as well. I used to struggle with anxiety as well. Like, I'd be afraid of like, I think after everything that happened with my family, I was constantly afraid of like bumping into them in public or some haters on social media trying to attack me. I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking, you know? But going to learn jiu-jitsu, it's really helped me feel more confident in my own abilities and not viewing being small as a disadvantage in these situations. Because I'm little too. I'm five foot two. Um, but it works in jiu-jitsu. You can get out of small places. Like there is, it's, a, it's a, such a beautiful art. Like you should definitely start it. And more girls need to get into it because it, it really helps you. And even mentally as well, like, if you're not paying attention in class, like you're not going to understand the technique. So it teaches you to be present. And that I think is so beautiful because we're always thinking about other things when, whenever we're doing stuff, it's hard for us to not multitask, you know, so it really forces you to be present. I think it's, I think it's awesome. I love it. Can't wait for you to start. <laughs> I know. I, I feel like COVID really threw a wrench in that one. Cause you can't like yeah. touch people. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, I always say like, do the things that make you feel empowered and make you feel like you're okay and a whole person mm-hmm. without like the validation of everybody else around you. Um, no matter what, like you don't need the validation of anybody, even if like you're like me and my parents did come around, but still like I don't yeah. need their approval because they don't, there's still lots of things they don't approve of about me. And <laughs> it's like, that's okay. Like I am a whole independent person right here by myself yes that's what I like to hear yeah and, and if we, you give yourself that validation you don't need to get it from anyone else right and, and everyone else so adds to it exactly make your own cup full and people can just add to it like it all has to come from within and that's the thing about like self-love and all that it all has to come from within and we all have it it's just like sometimes we feel like we're not capable of loving ourselves and it's usually because what society tells us, they tell us that women should be competing with each other and there's all this internalized mm-hmm. misogyny. There's so much going on, so many layers of different, different things that take us away from the essence of who we really are. But deep down, we are all strong. We all have it in us to love ourselves. And that's when life really starts to change. You know, when you really like no longer rely on the opinion of others to make you feel good about yourself, it's it's very freeing, 100%. Yeah. And now that we're like switching over, because you pointed out that culture of like every other woman is your competition. We're all trying to one up each other. And I feel like that is slowly changing. And now Mm -hmm. that there are groups of women that have stopped doing that and instead we're supporting each other, we're becoming the best versions of ourselves. And that's where the world is like freaking out. It's like we let them think they're supposed to tear each other down because God forbid they all got on the same page. Now we, me and you are encouraging other people who are tuning in to go and live their life on their own terms and have the courage to make those tough decisions and not worry about what everyone else is trying to do to hold them back. 
100%. And look, when you find that you don't have to compete with other women, like we're not in a competition. Like when one of us rises, I genuinely believe we all rise. As women, we all rise. So yeah. if one of us is winning, we are all winning. And that's what these communities have done for us. Like we have this support, like such a fierce level of support from other women that it gives you this power. You feel like, shit, I have a whole team of people who have my back. I know I can do anything. And I don't really feel that same way when it's like a bunch of guys who are my mates. Like I grew up always having more guy mates than girls. And that's because I was always in sports. It was more of like a boy thing when I was growing up. A lot of girls didn't play like rugby and stuff. Um, but when I found like female friendships, I was like, wow, this is like a different, I can't yeah. even explain it to you, but it's just different strengths you get, like a fire yeah. that you can build together. It's beautiful, really. It's so different when you have like that. It's almost like a sisterhood where like you're so close and like just being a woman is enough to like validate other women. Because I always say, I'm like, what if we all treated other women like the girl you met in the bathroom at a bar? Right. Like, yeah, you go to the bathroom and you're like, oh, my God, girl, you look great. Your lipstick is fire. <laughs> you're like, girl, like get out there and just work it. And it's like, what if we treated every girl we met like that? Like how, yeah. like, how great do you feel when you leave the bathroom at a bar? It's been a while since I felt that way, but. You know. Yeah, of course, with the pandemic, but it's such a good feeling, isn't it? Like, I remember once there was a girl and like, I will always remember her. Like one of my friends was crying in the bathroom, like, and I was just hugging her because I don't know, some ex-boyfriend it was years ago. I don't fully remember. This girl literally comes up to her. She's like, no, straighten your crown. You are fierce and you are beautiful and you are going to be okay. And she just walked out. My friend stopped crying and we have never forgotten that moment. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, but that's what them. it is. Beautiful. Yes. We just gotta... When we have each other's backs, like nothing can stop us. And this is what freaks out a lot of people because women, we're no longer being the people who are just like inheriting the silence of our mothers. Like we're not the ones that are going to keep things quiet. We're going to start talking about these things and these things are going to start to change. And if you're someone whose identity is rooted in these kind of toxic parts of our culture and you're benefiting from them, then you've got to watch out. Like, you better start changing yourself and bringing yourself up to that level too. And I think we can't be like, we can't just be like now being silent because I think silent, being silent, it holds back a lot of us. I think if it's safe for you to speak about your issues, you should. If it's not safe, then obviously don't look after yourself. But I think there's a lot of power in sharing our stories because that's really how things will change. Otherwise, it's just going to remain the same. Yeah. And through sharing all of those things, you realize how similar you are instead of how different everyone is, because that's what everyone wants to remind you, right? Is like you're different than them. They can't relate to you. They won't understand. But then you realize like we're all going through something and there mm -hmm. are things like with this podcast and like interracial relationships, like those experiences are what are uniting the people in this community because 100%. no one else can understand. Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, it, it, we are a lot more similar than we all think. People think we're a bit different. Maybe they try and make, make themselves feel better. Like, oh no, I'm not like that. Like, oh, we all have a lot of like similar stuff that we're going through. And even in the context of like interracial relationships, a lot of people like, I feel very against them because they're like, they're so different. How are you going to relate? How will you bring up your children? How will you understand each other? But every relationship is like that. Like every relationship has its challenges. As long as your core values are aligned, I think you can pretty much work through everything. If you are on the same page, the core things, everything else will work out. So yeah. I don't know. 
yeah i don't know about you but when i first come out about my relationship like i'd sometimes get like random brown guy saying you're a traitor to our culture like what was wrong with us that you had to go with a white guy and i'm like what like what does one thing got to do with the other it's completely different i just fell in love with someone i didn't go like oh he's white let me fall in love with him would it be much easier for me to fall in love with someone from my own culture my own community like i wouldn't have been disowned but can't pick what happens right exactly (laughs) and you know what like they're taking yeah. out their own insecurities because now they can't benefit from like this whole like toxic masculinity crap they've been like feeding off of and being told that like you are God's gift to this planet because you're a boy and our sons get whatever they want and suddenly they don't get what they want. Like, yeah, so you have to try true. in a relationship. Mm-hmm. I do think like, yeah, maybe more of the butthurt comes from the guys who feel like they're missing out on something. But honestly, there is still females out there that will tell you that you are wrong for picking somebody that you love. Like from personal experience, like I had some of the, some people who were like very, very close to me, take a complete different stand against me and then start these lies and all of this Mm -hmm. stuff happens. So I've experienced that side of it as well. And sometimes you get random hate comments from women saying, girl, how could you do that to your family? Why are you publicly shaming your family? Even though you're not, all you're simply doing is sharing your story. But I don't know why. I think it triggers something in them. Maybe they didn't, take the courage to do their own decisions when they had the chance and maybe they kind of just followed the traditions or the path they were supposed to take and they're not happy and they feel like it's okay to rip another woman down um so it can happen that way as well and it's always that part that hurts me the most like I can expect the guys to talk shit fine fair yeah. enough you know I already know that what devil I'm dealing with them but when it's another woman who's been in the culture who deals with the same shit that you are telling you or spitting words of hate at you it's like damn yeah. you're really gonna do me like that you're dealing mm-hmm. with the exact same stuff you know there are women that I know in person that have mm. quietly pretended like I'm the topic of gossip and like it always comes back to me because I think for me where I don't get it so much from women is only because of like I have such a tight barrier around me of people mm-hmm. who are supportive and get me and don't let anyone in in and I also have the kind of personality where like if you're gonna say that to me I will promise you'll regret it you know you know something very interesting happened the other day like my um life story was covered by like some major newspaper like daily mail or something that put out like information about my story they took some stuff from my Instagram and consulted with me on the story that they put out and it was great it was written beautifully like it was about me and my story, like what's changed in my life since I was disowned. It didn't say anything negative about my family. All it said is that I was disowned. And then you'd see people like would message me and say, why are you publicly shaming your family? And sometimes these people are women and they're women from my extended family, like who would say that to me. And I'm just like, damn, you really are going to just see what you want to see. Because some people are in this like lens of bias. Everything just fits their own narrative. So in their head, it's already... They've already made their minds up about me. So whatever it is I do, they're going to twist to fit that narrative, you know? But something that really helped me the other day, because I was like, people spit out so much hate and I'm always silent about it because I don't want to converse with that level of energy. I'll just let them do their thing, you know? And then I was like, why do I always have to be the one who has to take the high road and read all these abusive things and still like be silent? Like, why have I got to be the good person here, you know? But then I read something, um, not even read, like I watched it on TikTok, this new guy that I started following. And he said something like, you know, when fruit is hanging on a tree and then you'll have like a rotten piece of fruit and it just falls by itself. He's like, 
think of people the same way. When there is people who don't want good for you and they are rotten from the inside, they would have their own downfall. You don't even got to worry about yeah. them. Like they're dealing with their own shit. They've got probably so much stress. Like imagine carrying that hate around for another person. Like I refuse to believe you'd be happy. Like how are you going to be like that for someone you don't even know, you know? Yeah. So that's my piece. My piece is like, you're just going to do your own thing. I'm living my life. I don't let yeah. people touch me in that way. Like I have a good barrier up. So Exactly. It's and I good. think for me, I always say like, you can waste my money. You can waste my resources. You can waste all that stuff. I can get it all back. I cannot get mm-hmm. my time back. So if you're sitting yeah. here wasting my time or like being an asshole for no reason, like literally yeah. I'm like, I'm not giving you the most precious thing I have, which is my time. So carry on. Yes. Like yeah, you don't if need you to are engage. worth anything at all, you can have my time, but you're literally not worth that. And I know that's really yeah. mean, but I'm petty. So I'm just like, <laughs> bye. No, people no, like, you're absolutely right. Like you don't get your time back. And another thing is if you let these things get to you, your health will suffer. Like yeah. you'll be more stressed, high cortisol, your immune system goes down, you're more likely to get sick and stuff. And who wants that? We don't want to be sick out here. And we also don't want to be losing money as well, by the way. <laughs> we don't want to be losing anything. <laughs> like, yeah. We have to do our thing. People are always going to talk shit no matter what. You know, you just got to keep living your life and doing what's right for you. Society doesn't pay your bills at the end of the day anyway, so who cares? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, you yeah. pay my student loans? You want to take my tuition? Like, <laughs> all right. You can sit here and talk all the crap you want as long as you pay my bills. <laughs> I'll tell you it, but you're not willing to do that. So, and that's what it is, right? Like, does this impact my life? Like, Mm -hmm. no. Okay, then I'm going to keep going. Exactly. Um, You just got to stay in your path and the people that are for you will travel with you. And those that aren't are just going to be trying to like pull you back, but you're going to be like, nope, I'm not going there. And you just carry on forward. And And that's how I live my life. It's so much easier to like build the right kind of tribe and right kind of community around you when you're not wasting your time trying to keep around people that don't have their best, like your best interests at heart. So then you easily just weed people out. Yeah, it's easy. And the thing is, like, what's the point of having around, like having people around you who don't really have your best interests at heart? Like, what is the point of this conditional kind of relationship? You want people who like truly want you to win. And I've always had like, the same group of girls in my life and my partner now as well of course then um but my best friend like her and I met when we were like four years old and she's like completely off social media completely disconnected to everything you know and sometimes I like I'm like I like that breath that breath of fresh air it's like nice to like be away from social media sometimes as well yeah definitely yeah and then so I've kind of always known who my like true friends are and no, I don't have many people that I let into my very like close circle, but I prefer it that way. I rather have like five people that I can count on that I think of if I was in the hospital in the middle of the night, who am I going to call first? And those five people show up. I don't really care about the rest. Yeah, exactly. It's- yeah. For sure. I hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have either learned one thing or would like to leave everyone with a message, what would it be? Oh, this is a big question. What am I going to say? I've learned one thing. What message would I like to leave people with? I think as women, we are so used to sacrificing our happiness and our peace for the for the comfort of others. Like we're so used to like making sure everyone else around us is okay. And sometimes in the process, we kind of lose what makes us happy. But we matter. Like our happiness matters. Our joy matters. 
our peace matters and we deserve to give it to ourselves so if i was meant to if i was going to say one thing i would say like be your own best friend like have your own back and stand up for yourself because you deserve a beautiful life not just what other people expect for you you deserve to be in that driver's seat yeah that's what i've learned and that's what i'd share i love it um if people wanted to find you on social media where can they find you okay so my handle is the same on instagram and tiktok it is fit.core k a u r um Also, you can find me on Facebook if you just type in Brown Girls Rising. You'll see like it's the icon with the bird leaving the cage. You know, that's me there. Instagram, brown underscore girls underscore rising as well. So, yeah, awesome. that's where you'll find me. And everything <laughs> is linked in the show notes if you want to find her. So that'll take you right there. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I feel like this was a very uplifting conversation. No, thank you so much for having me. Like, I really enjoyed this as well. It was nice to talk and like also talk about these things openly because i think shame can't live when we start talking about these things openly and like having no fear so i appreciate you asking me to be on this i know it took us forever to get here but i'm so happy that we did it today yay thank you so much <laughs> it was so fun and i'm sure lots yes. of people will love hearing from you yes if anybody comes through from this podcast onto my social media let me know say hi and say where you came from i'd love to know what you think about this episode as well Thanks a million for tuning in guys. You know what to do if you enjoyed this episode. Leave us a review on iTunes. You can support the show on Patreon. Check out my Etsy shop, Dishamazepa Designs. And if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, you can email bwwpspodcast@gmail.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at @dishamazepa. I feel like everyone already does that. But like, you know, here's a friendly reminder. I'll see you guys next time. Bye. This podcast is hosted and produced by Disha Mystery Mazeppa. Music for the show was created by Crexwell. Mm-hmm.